Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center. Good morning. Good you guys? morning. All eight of you. Mm-hmm. You guys are early eight students. Hey, welcome. Hello, uh, church. Welcome to Vox. Uh, if it's your first time. It's probably most of not your first time. I know everybody in here. Yeah. Uh, we're excited. To, uh, we got an action-packed day today. We got some announcements, quick things, a couple things about us. If you're new, um, Vox is a place where uh, we spend the majority of our time together gathering around the table, which is what we'll refer to as communion. Uh, we really see that as the focal point, the, the biggest element of what we do. It gathers all of us together. It says that we're all invited to the table of Jesus. So you'll kind of experience that as well. In worship, you'll understand, you'll experience that we sort of just give freedom and permission to worship however you feel you want to. If you come from a tradition where you stand, feel free to do that. Uh, If you want to sit, you can do that as well, Uh, but you're welcome to do that. And then lastly, uh, you'll notice that our teaching is diverse and that we have lots of different teachers um, with lots of different backgrounds and theological uh, differences, and that's okay. We actually believe that that makes us better, Um, and so that's a part of who we are. It's a little bit about uh, the culture at Vox, so hopefully you, uh, if you have questions, you can text those to us. We have a text number. um, You're able to text those to us, and we'll answer them. We'll do that a little bit later, but we got some announcements today, and then we'll jump into the questions. Yeah, we got uh, two work workshops on deck. One of them is today. Uh, if you have the spiritual abuse uh, workshop, there we go. Uh, today at 11.45, uh, myself, uh, Ronnie, and uh, uh, Bruce, one of our community pastors, uh, will actually be facilitating uh, this workshop. Um, been spending a lot of time dialoguing about this. I was going back and you know, kind of collecting some more resources. I realized that I'd done over like eight hours of talking about this with Mike on the podcast. And I was like, how do we have eight hours to talk about this? It's a big deal. As it turns out, there's a lot going on. So um, we're going to do a lot of work on helping to understand what spiritual abuse is, what it's not. Some of it kind of speaks into how we've actually framed some of um, our way of viewing leadership here at Vox or how we how we actually do the church. So there'll be a little bit of that too. So uh, we've got a lot to say about that. I'm going to read actually from this article that I literally just got published this week that I thought was fantastic. And so I'm looking forward to sharing uh, that with you guys too. Um, in the beginning of March, we got uh, the next uh, Vox Care Workshop, um, Silencing the Lies of the Inner Voice. Um, do we believe that there's multiple voices in our life that speak to what we do, how we do things? Is it is it the devil? Is it God? Is it ourselves? What does our inner conscious look and sound like? Um, but uh, Carrie is going to be unpacking uh, what this actually looks like, and um, I'm, I'm going to I love her posture and approach to this. It's really this very holistic perspective of what we do. I mean, I think even people who exist and, and operate outside of faith understand the subconscious telling of themselves of their past PTSD and things that inform decisions they make going into the future. So, big question is how much of that do we grab onto? What is actually a lie about who we really are and, and what do we know that's true about God that we can grab onto and guide us to wholeness and reconciliation? So um, Carrie's going to be doing that workshop. Sign up online for that. And uh, lastly, um, Vox PM is actually next week. It's February. It's like the shortest month of the year. came out of nowhere. Yes, yes it did. <laughs> so what that means is that we are not here next Sunday morning. So if you show up, we won't be here. Uh, we'll be meeting at Fieldwork in downtown Fullerton um, at 5 p.m. for dinner. We will be feeding you. Last time we ran out of food, um, we prayed and food show, showed up and then it was gone again. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, this time we're planning for a lot more food, so we won't run out of food. Yeah, and it's probably important to mention that for those of 
you who are uh, givers who participate financially yes. with Vox, uh, because we're not going to be here. Th- hopefully, you think about that because for us, it's you know that's a big part of what we do is being able to have financial backing for this. And so maybe give this week before you get there because we don't have usually have the boxes out there on. on right, we will actually have a box um, that is there. Um, we're just not like pushing it, but yes, absolutely. A way to look at it is that there's only three you know weekends in this room in which you know m- most people kind of remember to give once they're in the room, um, and so that room's not available. So a lot of times we we kind of forget that type of thing. So yeah. I know we don't talk about this a lot, but um, it, it does kind of matter in this case. Granted that we're just changing format, but it's still of the same value. Um, I'll send out an additional email this week too, uh, just to remind you that you guys can give online. So it is something you can set up reoccurring, and you don't have to do it every single week if you just want it taken out of your paycheck or um, if you want to have it taken from your credit card. You can do that. And so I'll, I'll send a reminder out this week. And if you want to set that up for the first time, you could do that, um, or that'll give you the opportunity to, to give that, and that'll take care Great. of that. Sound good? Yep. All right. We got some, Minar. some questions. Minar. All right. I think uh, the first question... Uh, looks like Andy will probably... Uh, yeah. yeah uh, Repenting. And then I'll do the other one. Okay. So this was actually technically... Sorry. I, I, I screwed up with CC. So the for the top part is one separate question. The second one gets into a question related to Ronnie's Sorry. teaching. So I'll just hit the first thing real fast as a response to this. Um, how does Jesus dying on the cross lead to everyone being saved? I feel like I'm missing something in between. Yes. You are. <laughs> there's, there's obviously a lot in between. Um, yeah, this is this is a big conversation. Uh, largely, uh, the terminology used around this idea is the idea of atonement. I mean, why did Jesus even have to die? Why did he die on a cross? What's the context of that? Um, so my, my response is this. I'm not going to get into a big theological explanation. Uh, largely why is because there is, um, depending on who you talk to, five to seven different atonement theories. And so some of these atonement theories are based on cultural expressions that were done in like 50 AD versus some that are more adopted in the past 200 years that are post-Reformation. Um, so I, it's great because I this year, my big thing is I wanted to go into this year actually having a much broader understanding of the discussion around atonement. And I, I happened to come across um, a new podcast I've been listening to called You Have Permission um, by Dan Koch. Um, we've interviewed him on the Vox podcast, but I love the work that he's doing. Um, his new podcast is great. So I would recommend recommend, it's episode six, and it's um, to consider all the theories of atonement. Um, He has a guest on there um, named Bonnie Christian. She just wrote a book called Flexible Faith, and it's really just on the dialogue of how do we have a big dialogue on all these expressions of faith and realize what we can hold on to, what gets married inappropriately, and and what's actually helpful. So in in her book, she does an entire section just on atonement theory and unpacks the five, uh, what she thinks is five different major theories to discuss that. I would start there. From what I've like, I've done a bunch of like kind of research already and exploring a bunch of things, this became probably the best package for me to kind of realize, okay, this is, I can relate to where this came from in culture. Here's where I kind of am now. And that'll give you a lot of information. I think the important takeaway from what you're saying for, the, for you guys who are listening or asking that question is that there are multiple theories. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's the whole point of holding it sort of loosely because there are brilliant people on either sides of those things. And to call one wrong uh, is very dangerous. And so I think we just want to hold those things loosely and you know do our own investigation um, with integrity so yep. yep it's good all right so the next question same part of the question is it possible that the is that 90s I think it's, 90s? I think it's Ninevites but Ninevites, yeah thank you uh, repenting was also satire uh, that's something interesting to consider 
It is. It is something interesting to consider. Uh, I think that when you look at Jonah as a whole, uh, most scholarship would say that it's, it's probably uh, satirical in its literary form. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting thought to consider. And whoever that wrote that question, I'd say continue to dig into it and see what you think. I will say this, <clears throat> and this is important, because I, I got an email. This is a message I taught two weeks ago. Yeah. I got an interesting email. It was great feedback. And I want to I say this without you know putting anybody and keeping anonymity, uh, but I thought it was... Uh, an, an incredible feedback because they, there was some disagreement on what I was teaching and I think that's huge because in order to make Vox a safe place, we have to be able to express our feelings, to be vulnerable, to say, hey, I disagree, I don't feel the same way about this, and not be condemned or shunned or shut down or told you're wrong and you can't question. Like, I think that makes Vox better, to be able to say like, hey, we can agree to disagree on this, but yet we come and we gather around who Jesus is and around the table. And so for, for the person who, who does that, I hope this is an encouragement for everybody in the room that, that we welcome that. We welcome to be, able, to be able to say, hey, I don't necessarily agree with that, or I don't see that in the text, or those are, those are great things. And so um, there's just you know, a little bit of, I think, just an encouragement to our community that, that that's important, a part of what we do. So anyway, uh, the next part. Also, when Jesus references Jonah being in the great fish for three days and comparing that to him being dead for three days, does this confirm the validity of Jonah or could it be also referencing satire? Yeah, I think um, old scholarship back in the day would have said that, yeah, this is, you know, some people will use this as a proof text that Je because Jesus mentioned it, then it was in fact true. Uh, but that misses the fact, most scholarship doesn't think this anymore. Uh, because Jesus used uses hyperbolic language all the time, and Jesus also understood satire. He uses it a lot in his language, the way that he talks to the people. So for him to reference that doesn't mean that it makes it true in an actual event the way that it occurred. So I think that's an important distinction to make. Um, uh, is there something with the three days? Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot There's a lot there. When you look at the number three throughout scripture, the numerology, you'll see that there's um, the Christology that's built through all of that. So yes, that's a good, keen observation. I'd say dig into that some more. If you're coming across that in your reading, continue to look into that because you'll see it all over the place. Uh, let's see. Does that, I think that's that question. Okay, the next, last one, one more thing. Jesus says he will be dead three days and three nights, but history seems to indicate he died Friday and the tomb was empty Sunday morning. That's barely three days and only two nights. What gives? <laughs> Good observation. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, there's a couple different theories on it. Um, part of what the, I'd say the biggest issue is that we're, we, we don't understand Jewish culture right off the bat. Um, and so it's pretty easily answered in that the way that the Jewish people and their custom was to understand what a 24-hour period was is different than what we understood a 24-hour period. So for us, midnight to midnight is one full day. Uh, for the Jewish culture, half a day could be considered a day. So if you if were to look at that in that context, then if a Friday crucifixion would actually make it three days because it was part of the day on, on Friday. Friday. There's some reference to this in Esther about what a three-day looks like in Jewish culture. So there's lots of different theories, but uh, the easy answer is that because we don't understand Jewish culture, sometimes we miss those things, and it's like, wait, that doesn't make sense. But when you understand it that way, you go, okay, I can see how that works. So I think that's it. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, we're done. Let's worship. <laughs> Here we go. Thanks. How are you? It was supposed to rain today, and it's not raining yet, right? So that's good. We're like over it. <laughs> We're so over it. Well, I don't know. I'm over it. Like, I'm like, it's too much rain. It's just too much rain. But then everyone's like, we need the rain. I'm like, I get it. But my shoes. Um, hi. How are you? It's good to be back. How are you guys this morning? I mean, come on. You should be happy when you're in the house of the Lord. I know some of you are a little timid when you come into the house of the Lord because you've been in other houses of the Lord and it's stressed you out. But this is a house of the Lord where there's no stress. 
Okay, you can just breathe and just relax. Thank you, Susan. Susan's got my back this morning. She my people. Um, this morning, I want to share um, a little bit of, about, like, this is something that's really, like, feels really personal um, because it's something that... Um, I just am really passionate about, and it's this idea of friendship, which when I was offering, when we were in like group time, we like circle up the volunteers. I'm like, I'm talking about friendship, and they're like, yeah, cool. Like, it doesn't sound like super profound or anything that's going to change your life, but I would venture to say that friendship is really the crux and foundation outside of your relationship with God that is going to move you into deeper understanding and love for yourself, God, and the world around you. And um, so I want to talk a little bit about that today, the powerful need for friendship. Uh, when I, Growing up, I had a lot of friends um, like, cause I'm so popular. No, I just, I just, I had a lot of friends around me, but I was like, they didn't know me. And I always had like one best friend, one person that I could talk to and, you know, share thoughts with. And although I had all these kind of like friends and acquaintances, I always kind of had this one best friend. And that's kind of been the theme in my life, my whole life. Uh, when I was in, in my twenties, I had a dear, dear friend and we were best friends for like 12 years. And she just knew everything about me. I just loved her and she loved me and I was very close to her and kind of told her everything. When I went through my divorce, um, there was a real rift in our friendship. And she just, you know, and I totally get it. She didn't understand. She was advised not to talk to me about it, um, that I needed to, um, that there was a line of holiness and I was not in it. Um, and there was some truth in that, but there was also like, could have been a little maybe more graceful. Um, and out of that, I lost her as a friend. And we have never spoken. She had never called me. We had, it was like immediately severed our relationship. And, um, and that was really painful. And to this day, it's still something that when I sit in it long, it still stings. It's still this raw place because I loved her and I trusted her. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I was wrong in a lot of the things that I was doing, but I wish she would have come alongside me and talked with me about it, ministered, met me there, not to um, justify what I was doing, but to be a friend. And she was advised not to do that, so I don't really blame her for that. I mean, I have all the mercy for that. But I, I started to think about this idea of connection and friendship. and. You know, I look at the Bible and we look at uh, like Genesis and we see God creating all these wonderful things. And you've heard me talk about this before, but the first time that God says it's not good is in Genesis 2.18. And here's God created all this stuff. Like he's created Adam, he's created nature. He's actually physically walking with God. Adam is like physically with Jesus and yet God looks down and he says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. You see the per first part, the first problem in the world was not sin, it was solitude. 
Sin hadn't even entered yet. Sin has not entered. Eve has not eaten the apple. It's not happened. The fall of man has not happened. But there was still a problem in the most perfect place in all that God has ever created, this Eden of life. God looks down and says, it's not good. And I'm like, wow, the very first problem that ever rose up was not sin. It was solitude. It was isolation that God was like, no, you need someone like you to talk with. And sometimes I think, well, God, aren't you enough? Like, you know, you should fill all of those voids and all those places in our heart. And yet God was saying, no, me in conjunction with someone else, a suitable partner for you, this is the fullness of my, of the kingdom of joy, which we'll find out in just a minute where he talks about that. So when I was looking at this and I was looking at the idea of friendship and, and what I want to share with you, whenever I get up and preach, this is a little insight, I always share things with you guys that I don't share with other people, but, um, which maybe is good and not good. I don't know. But I, I always think like, what if this was the last time I ever got to share something with you? What if this was the last time I ever spoke to you? You know, and I don't mean that like fatalistically, like what if I die tomorrow? But you know, I mean, I don't know. What if I do? I'm in heaven. <laughs> uh, but what if this is the last time I ever get to share something with you? What would I want to leave you with? And I, I think that every time I go and speak, cause it's such a privilege and an honor to stand in front of of you. And I really want you to walk away today with some bravery and some understanding of how important you are to each other and how much you need each other. And that society is telling you that you don't. Society is falsely giving you a narrative that you are somehow connected because you have 10,000 followers and you can now swipe up on Instagram. Falsely telling you that somehow you've created community because you walk in these doors and check a box. And I'm going to press you a little bit today to say, if you are desiring freedom in your heart, if you are desiring God to work in the fragile depths of your heart, you cannot do this alone. You will not experience the freedom that you want to experience, and you will not fully understand the fullness of God if you do not do this in conjunction with someone as a suitable helper here on earth. It's like non-negotiable 101 Christianity, yet we see it as like, oh, that's like down the road in a small group. Like, we don't need that. Um, I just need me and God, or maybe I don't need God. Maybe I just need me. And we discount this idea. And I think we discount it because we have relationships like what happened with me and my dear friend where we put our heart out there and it was trampled. And it was painful. And because of that painful experience, it's now uh, 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 given us a grid that says all people are going to be painful and friendship is dangerous and I don't want to trust anymore. So I am going to turn inward. I got this. And I just believe this is a lie. And I believe that I don't want to discount the pain of what you've had and experienced. I understand that as with, my, as with my dear friend. But for years, it caused me to go inward and not trust people. And in those years of not trusting people, the pain that I was experiencing, the hurt that I was wrestling with, wasn't, wasn't God was not able to fully get in because... I needed to have someone else's voice speak into that. So let's let's dive in a little bit. In Proverbs 
um, 8 1, um, our need for friendship speaks to this. He who separates himself seeks his own desires. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. There's something that happens when you begin to isolate yourself. You start to, to go through the own grid of your own pain and your own emotions. And the more that you isolate yourself, the more you kind of fall into your own desires, your own thoughts, your own justification. And you, it kind of becomes you against the world. And yet, what God is saying is that when you quarrel, you will quarrel against all sound wisdom. You start to push away the very people that can speak into your life, the wisdom that you have. Here's the deal. You think you're more amazing than you are, and you think you're less amazing than you actually are. And and, and you're at battle and war with yourself constantly. Have you ever sat with somebody and just opened your heart just a little bit, and you were seen just in that moment, they saw you and, and, and it freaked you out or, or it maybe relieved you a little bit. And, and in that moment, you started to see it a little bit of a different perspective and it started to pour into you. And for some of us, it feels really exposing and it feels really tender and, and you want to pull away. And then for some of you, you felt relieved. But for most of us, we walk away from those moments going, that felt good or that felt scary, but that felt different. And this is what the scripture is trying to tell you, that when you separate yourself, you're going to separate yourself into only wanting and thinking your own desires. And for most of us, we see through the grid of our own pain. We see through the grid of our own trauma and our own story. And it is so when we let someone else in that we don't begin to quarrel against wisdom, but we begin to sit in it. This whole message kind of was inspired by my husband, um, who is like one of the best people I know. Just kind and good. And, and I don't say anything I don't mean, so if he wasn't kind and good, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I'd be like, he's my husband, yes. Um, but he's really kind and good. For I've been married for almost 15 years, and I've watched as my husband, who was kind of trained his whole life to uh, work hard. He's a taskmaster. Um, when you give him a list, it will get done. And he kind of prides himself on checking the box, you know, doing what needs to be done. Our house is always tidy because my husband sees a need and I'm not so good at it. I like piles. Um, he likes tidy. So he tidies when he sees the dishes that need to be done. There is never in our home this like, you are a woman, do the dishes. I mean, and they'd never get done. So he just surrendered and started doing dishes. I mean, he's just, that's who he is. And for years, him and I have had the struggle in our marriage because I'm this big communicator, like, what are you feeling? What are you experiencing? You know, he's like, I don't, the dishes need to be done. That's what I'm experiencing, you know? And, and I'm constantly like kind of digging and trying to get more. And for him, that just wasn't how he was raised to talk about some of these deeper, more fragile places. And it wasn't that he didn't want to talk about it. It's just, this is not how he was raised. He just didn't have that narrative in his life. But as you become a parent and you are married longer, you start to realize like, hey, tasks only go so far. Like my wife has a heart and I have a heart and my kids have needs and they have feelings about things. And although I help get them dressed and help make the lunches in the morning, I need to be able to reach their heart. And although they're being fed, their heart's not being fed. And we can't give what we don't have, right? We can't love ourselves and expect, I mean, not love ourselves and expect to love everyone else. It just doesn't work that way. So if we want to reach someone's heart, we've got to know how to reach our own heart. So my husband decided through some prompting 
of his beautiful wife uh, that, hey, there's this group starting through the organization I run, Freedom Movement. Some of you are in it called Bricklayers. And he was reluctant to go into it um, because he was like, I don't know, it's group therapy and I don't know, I'm like your husband and what if I have to say some stuff? I'm like, say it all. Like everyone knows I'm a mess. Like (laughs) they're not gonna be surprised. so he goes and he goes for eight weeks and every Wednesday or Thursday that he comes back, he has stuff to share with me and some insights that he's learning. And, and then he signed up again for the second round. And, and he just kept telling me this, this is changing my life. And why is it changing your life? Like what's happening? He's like, I, I feel like I have some men who are willing to hold my hurt my triumphs, like they're listening to me. And he's like, it's, it's changing me. This last week he came back and, you know, they sit around the story and it's his story to tell. It's not my story to tell, but just to give a little bit of an overview insight, it was his turn to share his story. And as he kind of dove into the story, he started talking about, you know, it's just some stuff. You know, my husband was raised in a good home. Like he doesn't have like all this major trauma. He wasn't, you know, an addict or anything, you know, crazy. And so he's like, oh, you know, what do I have? And he starts to share the story and God starts to reveal some things that were like in these hidden places, hidden places of his heart. And, and as he stood there sharing the story, he's telling me, like, I just, I began to weep. And here I am, like, you know, society is like, you know, don't cry, be a man, you know, toughen up. And he's like, I just felt like the little boy that was inside me, like, had some stuff to say, and I wanted to say it, and, and, I, and, and I'm standing there talking about it, and torn between, like, shut up, man, you know, be stronger, and the other part of me that's like, I got to share this. This, is, this has got to get out. God, God wants to heal this. And as he's sharing a couple of the men, he tells me this, uh, stand up. One stands in front of him and the other one puts his hand on him. And I won't get into all the details, but as he came back home and told me, he said, I've never felt more seen, more loved, more cared for. When these men that are just, you know, they're not soft males. They're just men, you know, get up and started to hold and carry the burden that I've been carrying for 40 years. And he goes, this is changing me. I started to think how much, and some of this is to you men, I think women have an easier time sharing. We have a harder time keeping our mouth shut and holding that secret space. Um, Men are better at that. But I think men have a really hard time knowing that, is there a safe place to really talk about this and how will I be seen? And I think that's a human narrative, right? How will I be seen? I wanna look really quick at James chapter five, verse 13 through 16. It says this, is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the power and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven of him. Verse 16, therefore, therefore, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. 
as I'm sitting in this and I'm watching my husband, you see my husband, as I'm sharing with him, like what's different now? I'm like, you know, you've prayed, he's like, I've prayed Jesus into these spaces. You know, my, we're, we're a Christian family. I'm a pastor, for goodness sake, you know, and a counselor. We talk about feelings. And he's like, I'm like, what's the difference? He's like, look, I have prayed God into this space. I have prayed for this hurt to be relieved. I have done everything, Carrie, you've said to do. I have invited Jesus into the fragile places of my heart. I have surrendered it. And even I've asked you to help me. And, and you've done all you can do. And I'm like, so what's the difference? He's like, another man decided to hold my pain. I confessed what was going on to other, to someone else. And they looked me in the eye and they said, you are not alone in this. And for a man to do that to another man, when society says, suck it up, put your head down, plow, don't have feelings, that's weakness. He was able And I started to think, wow, is this what Jesus knew when he looked down at Adam and said it wasn't good for him to be alone? That the first problem wasn't sin, that it was solitude? That this is what he meant? That when he looked down and God saw his beloved son, Adam, the thing that he created in all perfection, he thought, it's not good. You can't carry this on your own. This world is going to be so hard. You're no match for it. And so he said, I'm going to give you someone. You need to process this through someone. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. And there's going to be things that you have to sit with with people that you disagree. You're going to sit in lifestyles that you're looking, you're going, man, you're messing up. And I'm not saying you validate that, but to create a safe space for them to process through the healing that comes from that is unimaginable. I think it's exactly what God wanted in Eden. I think it's exactly what he always intended the body of Christ to be, to not be judges over each other, to pretend that everything's okay, but to truly enter into true friendship. True friendship is suffering with. True friendship is rejoicing with. True friendship is partaking in the healing. You don't get to heal someone and not sit in the pain of what they're sitting in. You don't get to walk around Pentecostal on everybody, just healing them all and not earn the right by sitting in their pain. Healing is not going to always come. Now, sometimes it does. I've seen some crazy stuff because I've been to India and I'm just telling you, crazy things happen. But I'm saying for most of us, Healing is not going to come in the slapping on the head and the slaying in the spirit. Healing is going to come just like what happened on Wednesday night with my husband. And I said, how do you feel different now? And he said, I feel hope. And to see that being offered to my husband, to see what he has sat with for so long, to know that this place was created to offer love and acceptance and healing. I can't tell you as a wife how that felt for me. Therefore, because all of these things, the suffering, the the praise, the need, God says, therefore, you must confess Confession isn't to be wrapped up in shame. Confession, please understand this, that when we confess to God, it is for two reasons. It is for invitation and for intimacy. 
This is the idea of confession, different than forgiveness. You're already forgiven, okay? You know Jesus, he died on the cross, you are forgiven. So you don't need, I need forgiveness for these sins. He's like, I already, already did that. Confession is about invitation and intimacy. When we confess to our spouse, when we confess to someone else, when we confess to God, we are inviting God into the fragile places of our heart, allowing exposure to happen. And when that happens in safe context, intimacy occurs. This is what happens with you and God. It's why he says, confess your sins to me. Confess what you're holding. I already see it. I need you to confess it with your mouth because that confession is an invitation for me to come in, be invited into the fragile places. What my husband did was confession. This is where I'm at. It's ugly. This is where I'm at. I actually got his permission for this, so he's not like blindsided, like, what is happening? Because I know some of you are like, I hope he knows she's doing this message. Because this is a lot about him. Some of the steps out of isolation, Proverbs 13:20 says this: He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So when we're stepping out of isolation and we're looking at places to confess, find worthy friends. Here's something that I just really want to just speak to. Some of you are like, friendship should happen organically. I'm like, yeah, that'd be great if we lived in the community where everyone was working together and, you know, like we all, like our parents lived with us and we lived in a little village and it would just all happen organically. That's not the society we live in. We live in a very disconnected society and we're very busy. So I'm in a venture to say, if you are longing for connection, which you all are, by the way, that's for free, then... You need to go where there's a target-rich environment for connection. And sometimes, you got to pay for that. So, my husband dropped 300 bucks to do that group. You're like, the church should offer that for free. Well, it's not through the church. It's through my organization, so don't judge it. He paid for it. It's like, I need this. I, I need help. I need guidance. There's someone who's facilitating that, a therapist who's facilitating that, and he's helping with that, and he's helping walk people through because we don't even know how to connect anymore. We don't even know how to get honest. We are a hot mess when it comes to honesty and connection. So we need a little help to get back to our roots and how we were created. So he paid for two rounds. I'll pay, I'll pay again. Go. You're becoming so much better. <laughs> and he's like, I'd like you to take it too. I'm like, I'm in. So, so please don't discount if you have to pay for it, then something's wrong with you. And, and really look for somebody when the scripture says, look for someone who's wise to sit with. Choose carefully who you're going to sit with. Choose wisely. In Psalms uh, or Proverbs 18.24, this is my next point. So we want to find a worthy friend and we want to choose wisely. A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You don't need a lot of friends, guys. You can have a lot of acquaintances, but man, that one, find the one. You know, as, as my husband's been sitting in this group, there's eight guys in this group. It's not a big group. And these men have called him all week long, checking in. How you doing, man? These are the ones that are going to now stick closer than a brother. And this has happened in my own life. We kind of like fill our lives with all these people and all this busyness and all these so-called friends and it's fine to have many people in your life, but 
You don't need to be sharing your business to everybody. You can be sharing your business to 74 people. That's not wise. You find one or two and you sit with them and you allow them. They have to earn the right to hear your heart. We don't just go sharing our heart to anybody. Okay? Some of you that just love to share. And go sharing your heart to everybody. You pray. You find the one or two that's trusted, that's wise, that will speak into your life, that will love you and help you wrestle through things. And if you've been wounded, do not let the brokenness of somebody else's life spill over into you and stunt your growth because of their hurt. You gotta let it go. And you gotta step out and trust again because here's the deal. You were created this way. We didn't make up friendship. God did. God started it. And so this is how you are actually neurologically wired. So every time that you stop and sit into isolation, you are fighting against your neurological makeup. Also, that's not a man thing or a woman thing. It's a humankind thing. And since I'm over time, I'm going to share this last verse. First John 1, 3 through 4 says this. Oh, I just gave you guys three, but I'll give this. Uh, This is John talking what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, which is Jesus, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was in the Father and was manifested to us. Verse 3 says this, what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be complete. What he's saying here is, look, we've experienced all these things in Jesus. And so my job and what we want to do is we want to share it with you. We want to sit with you. We want to commune with you. And we want to commune with God and Jesus Christ. And when all of this happens... The last verse says, these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. It was painful for my husband to sit in that circle. But let me tell you what he walked away with. Joy and hope. It is hard to sit and trust again. Are you a safe place? Are you a place that when somebody comes and needs to share, and needs to talk, and needs to wrestle, will you be the safe place that says, let me share with you my love for you. Let me listen. Let me stand in front of you. And when asked, will you carry my burden, you are quick to say, I will. Those in the room that know it's time to take that one person out to coffee, don't wait. The world is dying, and it's so in need of your kindness and your love. And for those of you in this room that are wrestling and struggling, and you think you have to have some kind of perception or put it together or figure it out, can I just release you from that? I have no power to do that, but I'd like to release you from that. It says it's time to start connecting again. It's time to start sitting in a group and sitting with somebody that's going to reach out and minister to your broken heart. 
It is in those moments where the Holy Spirit is present and the hand of physical human connection happens that joy is made complete. If you are not experiencing the joy and hope you're wanting to, I'm gonna press and say, how many people beside your spouse know the fragile place of your heart? How many have you let in? Or I mean, just even have you let anybody in? That's where I want to press. That's what I believe that God is calling us to. The enemy works in the quietness and the wrestling of our minds. It is when we speak it out that the wise and the presence of the Holy Spirit can speak into those fragile places and the darkness begins to have less power. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, for your friendship with us. We thank you that you loved us so much that even you looked down at your most wonderful, beautiful creation, and it wasn't fully complete until Adam was made a suitable partner. We just thank you, God, for your presence here today. We thank you, God, for the hearts in this room right now that are feeling a little more brave, that maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to go to a workshop. Maybe it's time to step out into a therapist. Maybe it's time to call that friend that's been reaching out so many times. Maybe it's time to reach out to the one that you've put on my heart to talk to. All I know is that what you are speaking here today is it's time to come out from the hiding, to step into a place of vulnerability, because it is in the vulnerability creates loyalty and beauty as the body of Christ holds each other in their praises and their burdens. Thank you for your message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh my gosh. Hi. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's I'm doing so a great sorry. job today. Thank you. So <laughs> sorry, the, the Pictionary game in elementary got a little, uh, little competitive, so. How to deal with that, and then we're here now. Anyways, <laughs> Carrie, thanks for dancing up here. That was great. Um, I just want to say thank you guys. What am I doing up here? Yes, I'm doing the benediction. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I just want to say thank you for being here. Um, Jacqueline should be coming out in just a second. Um, Jacqueline is um, so graciously taking on the responsibility for junior high. Um, we want to... We she's wanted. Not here. What's that? She's not here. She's not here. She's not, She's with junior high. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah. You guys, we do really have it all together. I promise. <laughs> she's gonna come up here running, and oh, we're all gonna fine. clap. Ready? Set. Just keep. Doing all right. Stuff. I'll keep doing. She, I hear it. She's coming. Can you coming. Tell to make an about her? Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we got Terry, did, oh, she did already. Okay, yes. Here she comes. For Vox PM, yes. Okay, so let me start from the beginning. So thank you for being here, you guys. It's amazing that you would give your Sunday to come to Vox <laughs> and, uh, and allow this to happen. Uh, thank you so much. It's been great um, to see you guys. We have community pastors that are standing at the door over here. If you need prayer, they're all about it. Um, we also have uh, prayer requests that you can leave here. Uh, we also have opportunities for you to serve. Uh, you can give your time. Uh, you can give your, your money. There's uh, give, uh, giving boxes as you walk out. We really appreciate that. Um, I do have a need specifically. There she is. Jacqueline is here. <laughs> 
Um, I'm looking for uh, four people. If you're able and willing to help with setup, uh, we really need some help setting stuff up before all of this happens. We set up kids in the gym. We set up some of the things outside. So if you have time, it's once a month, two hours a month. If you have that availability, I would love that help. And uh, we need about four kid, four people to help with, with kids once a month as well. So if you're able to do that, if uh, you've been here for a while and this is your home, would love, would love to connect with you to see how we can get uh, you to help with that. Um, if you don't come to me, I'm going to come to you. I'm just kidding. Um, but if that's on your heart, that's one way right now that you can help out is by helping us set up and um, helping us um, uh, hang out with some kids. But um, that's that's a big one, and giving is another one. But Jacqueline is here, and Hi guys. Uh, um, Jacqueline is um, gonna be heading up our junior high. Um, she asked a lot of questions before she said yes, which I appreciate. But I want you guys to get to know her. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from. All right. Your last name, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, my name is Jacqueline Waite. I am born and raised in Southern California. Um, I've been going to Vox since the first October that it started, and I've been helping out with Vox Kids in the preschool for about two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, my day job, I work as a therapist for foster kids in L.A. County, and I'm really excited to be working with the junior high here at Vox. Yeah, so we're excited to have her. Um, Will is moving at the moment, and he and uh, Jacqueline got time to kind of hang out, um, kind of teach her, show her, kind of give her what she needed to know. But uh, we're excited that she's she said yes to it. So uh, she already sent out her first event. She's uh, she's going she's going at it, and we just are thankful that she is part of part of this team. So welcome, Jacqueline. So I'm going to pray for you before you go, but, um, and also remind you guys, we're not meeting next Sunday morning. We're going to meet Sunday night at Fieldwork in Fullerton for our Vox PM, which was such an amazing um, experience. We had planned food for 120, 150 plus people showed up. Um, we had to kick them out because we were transitioning the room for another thing, and it was just neat to it just neat all over the place. So we're planning for more food this time. <laughs> so uh, we want to make sure everybody gets fed. But honestly, um, come out, hang out with people, get to know. That's a great way for you to get to know people um, here at Vox. We want to make this room feel smaller, and that's a great way to do that. So we'll be at field work to, uh, next Sunday at 5 p.m. Doors open at 5 p.m. from 5 to 8. We'll serve you dinner. You guys can hang out. We'll do communion. Um, but we want you just to enjoy. So do not come here in the morning. We'll meet you there. Uh, you can go to the website to get more information. But why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray over Jacqueline, and I'll pray over you guys. And what were you going to say? Really quickly, if you're a junior high parent, I would love to meet you. So I'm going to be out in front of the lobby after service. And so I'd love to be able to connect with you guys. And if you guys have a junior high kiddo, I'll tell you about the events that we've got going on. Initiative. I love it. <laughs> Father, we thank you for Jacqueline. Um, we thank you for what you're doing in her life. We thank you that she is here. Um, We thank you that um, you have called her to this. And we're excited to see her um, use her gifts for for these kids, Father. Pray that you would help us come alongside her, Father, to support her, um, to encourage her, Father, to love her. Um, And we thank you that uh, she calls Vox home, Father. And thank you that she has been part of this team for a while, creating a safe place, not only for kids, Father, but for, for us. Thank, that, thank you that you have brought her here, and we're so excited to see her um, do what you've called her to do here, Father. And God, I pray uh, for each individual that's in this room. 
I pray that you would um, go before them, God, that you would shine your face upon them, Father, and that they would be a safe place for others who have questions, who are in process. God, allow us to understand what that means. Allow us to um, be friends with those who seem to be on the fringes. And God, allow us to be able to be that place that people call uh, safe. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you next Sunday night. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.